Father, we look to you, Lord, the author, the finisher of our faith. We look to you, Father. Speak to us, Father. When darkness covers the earth, you said your light will rise upon your people. And your word is light. Your life is light. Your word is life and spirit to those who receive it. And we need that life, Lord. Your life. Mere words of man is not enough. It does not have the power to save. It does not have the power to cause us to stand in the face of evil. Only your life has that strength to stand, to bless, to overcome. So, Father, I pray in the ministry of the word every time there is a transference of life. Life from above. For you came to give us life. Your life. The life of man availeth nothing. For you said without you we can do nothing. Our life is useless. Our life is a waste of time. Our breath is like vapor. It's your breath that brings life. It's your life that goes into eternity. It's your life that will be counted by the Father and be complimented by the Father and be lifted up by the Father. So we have come today for your life once again, Lord. Speak to us, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we go to Romans 8, verse 29 to 30. And continue where we left with Moses. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. One person alone who knows everything, even before anything was created, it was God, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he foreknew. Those he foreknew, he also has destined us. This is our destiny, to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, so understand our destiny. It's not that everybody will make it, okay, because of the free will. But everybody will, one way or other, come to something of the image of his son. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Okay, and those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So everything is given in terms of God's time. Okay, I mean, because God is outside of time. <clears throat> so the call of God, those who are predestined are called, and those who are called are chosen, and those who are chosen are being sanctified, and those who allow the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit one day will be glorified. And as stars differ in glory, so will the saints. <clears throat> so the call of God echoed first by John the Baptist and then picked up by Jesus, the same call. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Okay, it's the call of the kingdom. And every day when we hear the word of God, the same message goes forth. And no Herod can 
silence that voice. That voice has been going on for 2,000 years. Keep changing. Because the kingdom is closer and closer and closer by every second. So like Moses, in Exodus chapter 3, when he hears the voice of God, he's called by God. So all of us who are hearing, all of us sitting here, we are called of God. All we can do is stand barefoot before God. Stripped of all our received ideas, ways, and thoughts. All. Everything. We have to take it off. Our ideas, our ways, our thoughts. Everything. Of self. Of mission. <laughs> okay. We need to take it off and keep that safe distance. Don't get familiar with the Holy God. Let Him draw us closer. Okay. Don't run. Okay. And that's the first thing Moses hears from God. Take off your shoes for you are standing on holy ground. Okay. And like most people, most of us, most people take most of their life not in fulfilling the call of God, but in taking their shoes off. That's the biggest struggle to take off our preconceived, you know, received ideas. Because God made it very clear. His thoughts and His ways. The distance is like heaven and earth. <laughs> and we don't, don't even understand what that distance is in spiritual terms, the understanding. Physical terms, we know, measure the distance between sun and earth, moon and the earth. <laughs> okay. One of the first things which I used to do whenever I went to a classroom, you know, whenever you have icebreakers, you know, because teaching Shakespeare to students is not easy. Because you know, Shakespeare is like a heart nut to crack. Okay, <laughs> Unless you love literature and you know, like try to teach Julius Caesar to Ajay's and all will be difficult. You know? It's not going to be easy. So one of the simple not icebreaker, mathematical question, but basically a logical question. The distance between Earth and uh, I mean just Moon. We'll just put an easy number for people to is five million kilometers. Sound uh, travels at the rate of five hundred kilometers per second. To make it easy, okay? And there's an explosion in Moon. In how many seconds will you hear the sound on Earth? And everybody is calculating, 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 calculating. In the whole search, 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 search. Okay, so everybody, then everybody gives the answer, and said everybody is wrong because there is no air in between, so sound will not come. Okay, now that you're relaxed, let's go to Shakespeare. Okay, so okay, <laughs> okay, okay. So basically, it's like that—the distance, okay, the, between God's mind and our futile, infinite mind. Not only that, messed up by the, all the junk the devil has put in. Okay, once we have heard the voice of the devil. And received his counsel like Adam and Eve and then subsequently, okay? It is a mess. It's a mess. So God has to wait 80 years before this man will hear the voice, before God can speak to him. Okay, Meaning the smarter you are in the world, the more difficult it is for God to speak to you. Okay, the more difficult. Okay? And then you see Revelation chapter 3 and verse 6. Sorry, not Revelation. Exodus chapter 3 verse 6. The revelation of God begins. Okay? 
Okay, revelation of God begins. Okay. He said, I am the God of your father. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's very clear how he makes. Okay. I'm the God of Abraham. But Abraham had eight children. Eight children. And these eight children, all eight children became different nations. Because they were of Abrahamic seed. And you're living in the house of the priest of one of those children. So if you just said, I'm the God of Abraham, then he becomes the God of Jethro too. And all you received from Jethro, received knowledge from Jethro also can be added into what I'm saying. No. Okay. Remember, Zimran, Zokshan, Medan, Midian, all of them. Remember, they're all, and Ishmael. Okay. All. So I'm the God of Abraham. God of Abraham. The six plus Ishmael is there. And if all those other six nations are gone, you don't see the flag of Midian anywhere. Or the Zokshan or anything. There. Ishmael is there. Ishmael is there only because of what God said to both the father and to the mother. The father pleaded and the mother was a single mother. And he said, your son will be great, don't worry. And he told his father, your father, your son will be ten nations or twelve nations. So because of that, Ishmael, you need to realize some nations have survived, Semitic nations have survived only because a word God spoke thousands of years ago. And to those who did not receive that blessing, even if they were the seed of Abraham, they disappeared. They disappeared. Six sons of Abraham have just disappeared. But two sons of Abraham will be there. One will be there till the end of time. The other will be there, always known in eternity. The two different promises. One is physical, the other is spiritual. I'm the father, son of, I'm the God of your father. Okay, so Abraham, God of Abraham. Then God of Isaac. Isaac also had two sons. One become a nation called the Edomites. Edomites. And they are there. Edom is there. Powerful, strong. And another is Jacob. And he's making very clear, I'm not the God of Edom. That's why he brings the third clarification. I'm the God of Jacob. Okay. So clarity when God speaks, there is. So even we will say, I'm the God of your father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we'll just take it like that without realizing why it is so important that we know who this God is. We know who this God is. Very, very clear. Okay. He says, Personally, he's, he's, when he reveals himself, okay, he's, he's the creator of everybody. But I am the God of, he's very clear whose God he is, who can approach him, upon whom his eyes are personally. Okay, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look. And verse 7 and 8 is the heart of God revealed. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. We often miss these two parts of salvation. That the same 
God who redeems out of slavery is also saving us unto something. From the bondage of Egypt and bringing them to the land of Canaan. That is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, there are others who are occupying that land. But that has not changed the nature of that land. The nature of the land is a land flowing with milk and honey. And to occupy that land, you will have to destroy these nations. For the land is, the destiny of that land is this. So God says the same thing. He redeems us from the power of sin and the slavery to the devil and brings us to the power of Christ and the life of Christ. In Acts chapter 26, 18, that's exactly what God says, the two parts. It is not that I just want to be free from the bondage of the Pharaoh to live my own life. No, it still does not work. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Both has to be there. And the first generation failed because they only wanted one part. They didn't want the second part. You know, redemption out of, into, redemption into. Okay, and we're just like, most people are just like the Israelites. We want out of the oppression of Egypt and then to live our own life without realizing. It just takes you back. Pharaoh just changes his name. <laughs> That's all. Pharaoh. See, there's no difference if you look at, go back to verse um, 7 and 8 of Exodus 3. You know, which we just read, 6 and 7 or 7 and 8. Yeah? Yeah. Go to verse 8. Yeah. Verse 8. There's no difference in the actual spiritual nature of the Egyptians or the Canaanites or the Hittites or the Amorites, the Perisites, the Hivites or the Jebedites. Spiritually, the characteristic is the same. There's no difference between any one of them. So you cannot say, I will go to the promised land and live with them. You cannot live with them. Cannot live with them. You know? Just save me, Lord, from the penalty of sin and just leave me in my own sin, Lord. The only thing I don't like is the consequences, Lord. Please. You just take the consequences and leave me, leave me alone to enjoy my sin. God says that is not redemption. That is not redemption. Redemption from to redemption unto. And that's what people fight, actually. And that's what upsets me when I hear Preachers, the preachers only talk, I mean, you hear even during the pandemic time and they will speak such soothing, nice. Is there anything wrong in what they actually say? No. But when you do not tell the other half, then your half which you say is only half truth. And half truth can kill you. Like Dr. Richard, let's say Ajay has um, a sickness. And uh, the answer to that sickness is penicillin. And he says, I'm prescribing penicillin for you. Now that is truth. But the other half is that, are you allergic to penicillin? And if you're allergic to penicillin, the very medicine can kill you. <laughs> very medicine can kill you. Like now you see some people don't use hair dye. Why? Because they are allergic to ammonia. They are allergic to ammonia. So, they'll always say, test a little patch. Okay? So, the solution they are offering itself can destroy you if they only show you one side of God. 
And that's what the devil spoke, told uh, through Balaam to Balak. Don't worry. We can't curse them. We can't curse them. But we can get their God to destroy them. You cannot curse them. What God has blessed, you cannot. We can't do anything. We are in Christ. But you can do something. You can make the Father of Christ destroy them. I'll tell you how to. Seduce them with temptations. Let them sin. Because he says, you know what? I was before God for millions of years. I know his nature. I know his righteousness. I know his holiness. He will not, he will not compromise on that. He's the most kind, compassionate, loving God and the most severe God against sin. So just keep telling them only one side. He's so kind, he's so kind, he's so kind, he's so kind, so kind. And leave them alone to go this way. And he will destroy them. Okay? And that's what God says. I see your oppression. I see your oppression. I'm going to take you out of Egypt. And I'm going to take you to this land flowing with milk and honey. And if that just stopped there, it would have been different. But that's not. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They're all inside you. And you have to fight them and overcome them. Otherwise, they will overcome you. And your former's, your latter state will be worse than your former state. That's what Peter will talk about. Okay? So, the call of God comes. Okay? In verse 9, the call, uh, 9, 10 and 11, Therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And verse 11, Moses said, okay, so he says, I am sending. You become part of the redemptive plan. And this, this is, you do not realize everybody's struggle is with the, the nature of God and the call of God. God says, I want you to be part of my redemption plan. But I cannot make you a part of a redemption plan unless you understand the whole nature of my redemption. And the people in the church also. People in the church also struggle with the same thing. Absolutely the same thing. Do not love the world, the ways of the world, the things of the world. And they struggle. They struggle. They struggle. And we do not realize repentance is the most powerful word in the Bible. The changing the way you think. And every day we repent and we replace, we repent and we replace and we repent. When we don't repent and we replace, then what do we do? We justify ourselves. And God hates that. You know why the Pharisees could never come to Christ? Because Jesus said, you are the ones who justify yourself before people. Justify yourself before people. Therefore, you cannot be justified by God. Cannot be justified by God. So we go through the, go through these struggles. So God says, everybody is called to this. Every child of God is called, come, be part of my redemptive plan. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Can you just keep dying so that my son will live? Get out of Egypt. Destroy these powers of darkness in your life and let the life of my son grow in you and you become part of my redemption plan. What people don't realize is every man is at work. Is He's either working in the hastening of the coming of Christ or he's working in the hastening of the coming of the Antichrist. 
one or the other two kingdoms everybody is involved in. It's nobody who is neutral. Even if you say, I do nothing but sleep and eat, you are hastening the coming of the kingdom of God, of the devil, because you are not parted. That's why Jesus said, if you do not gather with me, you are scattering. There is no neutral ground at all. Either you are hastening the coming of Christ, or you are hastening the coming of the Antichrist. Both will come. Roughly around the same time, if you look in human history, the period when these two come are almost so close to each other. And all of humanity is caught in this. All of humanity is in, caught in it. That is why there is you, you cannot be neutral about these things. So he tells Moses, come now, I will send you. Yeah. No, what does he say in verse 11? Come now, therefore, I will send you. Who will I send you? I will send you to the devil. <laughs> I will send you. What is, to whom are we sent? We are sent to fight powers of darkness. We do not fight flesh and blood, but we do fight. We wrestle with principalities, powers, rulers for, for the redemption of others. That's a daily battle we are involved in. We are not battling flesh and blood. We are battling powers of darkness so that we may bring them out and out of Egypt, out of this world. Okay? So if you look into the Bible, if you look at so many people, including, if you can actually start from Noah onwards, okay? The Bible doesn't give so many details of these people who were called. Their life, sometimes not even their end. But so much detail is given about the Call of this man. You notice? The call of Noah. The call of Abraham. The call of Jacob. The call of Joseph. The call of Moses. The call of Joshua. The call of King Saul. The call of David. The call of the prophets in the Bible. Elisha. Elijah. The call is so important. Even Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, Saul of Tarsus. The call is very important. We don't know much details about how these people were in their last days, how they died. Details are not all given. But the call of man is given in detail often. It's very, very important. And the call of Moses is given in such detail. Like the call of Abraham. So much. Because those are incredible spiritual lessons. Of Abraham. Leave. Detail. What all you have to leave. Who all you have to leave. The call of Moses. And the purpose of Moses. Why is this so important? Because so many people. In the kingdom of God. Are still. Working. And waiting in the wilderness without having heard the call of God. Because they are not yet ready to hear the call of God. It's two parts of the call of God. We are talking about this call of God which is connected with being chosen. Moses is now being chosen after 80 years. He was called in his mother's womb. Jeremiah was called in his mother's womb. Noah was called. They were all called in a different way. 
but to be chosen by God and their life is being actually being defined entirely by that call, the chosen part. That's happening now. A lot of Christians, lot of, lot of, lot of Christians have not heard that second call. Because they're still in the wilderness, still working. Still working, still working, still wait. And we need to look from Moses and these people, incredible people of God that have gone before us to see what does it take for us to hear that second call of God. And you don't have to be young or old. Age is irrelevant. A Samuel can hear, a Jeremiah can hear, a Moses can hear at 80, Abraham can hear at 75. What does it take? What does it take? So God says, at 80, only this man is ready. 80. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And verse 11, Moses responds. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? What are transformations? Because 40 years earlier, he was that cocky, self-confident young man described in Acts chapter 7 and verse 22. Absolutely sure of himself. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Was mighty in words and deeds. That describes Moses at 40. Incredibly self-confident young man. Now he's saying, who am I? At 40 he said, I am who? I am who? Who has been chosen? You know, he had walked through the corridors of power and wisdom of Egypt. That's this world. He was one Hebrew who was different. And he thought he had all the advantages to become the leader of the Hebrews. Because he was trained. He was trained. He was trained. Learn it. Trained. All the wisdom of Egypt. Mighty. And words or deeds. One of these two things you need. And in his case, he had both. <laughs> words and deeds. And he thought he could deliver Israel by the power of his wisdom and might. His hands, his sword. Mankind is still caught in that fallacy, foolish thinking, which will ultimately pave the way for the Antichrist. We want a man trained in all this wisdom of this world, mighty in words, eloquent, mighty in thoughts, mighty in action. But all he could do was murder an Egyptian. All he could do was murder an Egyptian. Okay. Others have murdered millions. In his case, one. That one represents. It's representative of the millions who have been killed by people who think they are specially chosen because of their special capabilities to redeem others. It's, it's a symbolic number, one. But all the others who followed the pattern of Moses at 40, 
There have been many before and after. They have killed, not one. Tens and thousands and millions. They murder for liberty. They do a wrong to right a wrong, but two wrongs don't make a right. God had to put him in the backside of the desert until he learned how weak he was that he could do nothing. Nothing. You need to realize in life, very people, few people reach that state. Who am I? Very few people reach that state where they come to that point and they really, really look inside and realize, I'm not worthy of this task. Who am I? Okay. This is the danger of self-confidence. 40 years ago, he said, I am who? I am who? Okay. And people don't realize. People are still blinded. <laughs> still absolutely blinded. We are living in the most prophetic times, the more wicked evil of times we are living. We are living in that. And we would murder for liberty. We would do wrong to right wrongs. We haven't learned from history. It never works. It really, really never works. It's a very sad day for our nation. We lost soldiers. We don't know the numbers. We lost soldiers. Twenty of them died. Maybe more will die. Because they're fighting at sub-zero temperatures with one of the most, most wicked evil dispensation the world has ever seen. We are not against the people of China. We are against the government of China. The two difference. The people of Iran, the people of China are all nice people, majority. But the governments that control them are most wicked, evil dispensations. Wicked, wicked, ruthless. We lose 20 soldiers, we will grieve. For them, numbers mean nothing. Means nothing. You have to understand the power of ideologies. In 1818, a man was born of Jewish heritage called Karl Marx. And he brought forth an ideology that has still... I mean, people will ask in these 2,000 years of human history, what was the devil's answer to Christ? It was not Muhammad. It was Karl Marx. Devil's answer was Karl Marx. Karl Marx's ideology is one of the most powerful ideologies, the most powerful ideology gripping the entire world. If you don't realize what historical materialism is, what class race is, race, what you are seeing on the streets of U.S. came from the brain of Karl Marx. What class race is, how they, how the entire world has to be restructured and you have to have a classless society, socialism, communism, and in the process, the end justifies the means. To bring that kind of a classless society, it doesn't matter how many millions perish. That's what you've been seeing. 1818, he was born. 1918, you had the First World War. The Communist Revolution and the World War, Bolshevik Revolution. And that revolution is still continuing in the minds and the ideas of men. 
And people do not realize we are living in the most dangerous times ever because that ideology has swept the world. There's nothing different. Outwardly, they all look different. The Chinese, Chinese Communist Party, the North Korean, democratic, they all have to use this term, democratic people's republic, or the Iranian, the fundamentalist Islamic movements. You don't realize, the, at the core of it, they all think the same. They all think the same. The Black Lives Movement, which has been hijacked, and these young people, white and black and Hispanic on the roads, they don't realize. They're just puppets. The ideology is the same. The ideology is the same. There's no difference between the ideology. The ideology is the same. And I, I, I mean, kept telling people, see, in the face of evil, to keep quiet is to be complicit in evil. And there are sort of pastors who are keeping quiet. Oh, pulpit is not a place for politics. And for what? The kingdom of God is politics. It's a political agenda. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. It is politics. The most ruthless ideology ever we are seeing is this. Ever I have seen this. And people, people don't even realize this has swept the universities, swept the colleges, swept US, Europe, everywhere it has swept. And taken over the minds. And people don't even realize in our own church sitting there. We don't realize there are sort of parts of our brains which think that way. We think of individual liberty as the first. I, me, myself. Directly opposed to the cross, to the gospel. We don't realize we have so many ideas, ideologies. And Jesus, that's why Jesus said, unless any man picks up his cross and denies himself. What is that self? All these ideas. Every ideology that props the self up. Self up. And people get into these causes and like waves and waves and waves. Okay? And pastors get involved in these white pastors, Hispanic pastors, black pastors, all colored pastors, Indian pastors. Everybody get involved in causes. Do you know who your friends are? Do you know Black Life Movement, LGBTQ Movement, and the pro-choice, that is the abortion movement? They're all together. So who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? I would rather walk alone, alone like Enoch. They're all walking together. They don't realize the entire movement from behind has been hijacked by the communists. Communists. No, that's why you always have to come back to President Trump because Trump is an existential threat to the whole new world order. He is a threat to all of them. This ideology. You see, they created this epidemic. I'm telling you openly, they created this pandemic to destroy the old structure. And that's how it afflicted all the world. You see, uh, I believe Personally, the Chinese, the hierarchy up who control the power has an antidote. That's why you don't see anybody in their ranks, in the high ranks or anything, being afflicted by that sickness. But they will allow a few million to die. Because they are just fodder for them. Because you see, in communism, they value certain things, but they don't value individual lives. They don't value. 
They don't value individual lives. It's irrelevant to them. You're just a cog in the machine. They don't matter. So they will allow a few millions to die in their, in their own nations to achieve their objective. Their objective is control. And they don't realize they are also being used as a puppet by the devil. Because you cannot have a 200 million army. Unless you get China into the picture. A set of brainwashed zombies. That's what happened on our, our borders. They encroached into our area and they're such wicked, nasty, brainwashed guys. They use rods with nails in them to kill our soldiers. That's why they didn't use guns. Okay. Okay. And we need to realize, but who's gonna stand up even in this country? Can you stand up and say, boycott China? Can you say boycott Chinese products? Can you say that? As a nation, will the people, the system rise up and say boycott China? How can you say that? How can you loudly say that? You know why? Because India's largest company called Reliance, Jio, is absolutely connected to China. You know how much money, Chinese money has at stake in this country? In Africa? All the nations, the money involved, Hollywood has been bought by China, Disney has been bought by China, Sony has been bought by China, NBA has been bought by China, all these people have been bought by China. Democratic Party has been entirely bought by China, ideology is the same, they're communists, they're not democratic anymore, even then North Korea is also democratic then. They also call DPR, Korea, Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Chinese money. It's all Chinese. And if all these forces over there knows there is one man who is a threat to their domination. That's a man sitting in the White House. So they have to destroy him by any means to see that he does not win. If he does not win, and that old man with dementia wins, then there will be others sitting behind and controlling. And you know, DNC is not going to go against China. Because China has been bought by them. I mean, they have been bought by China. They're not going to go. And you know what? And do you know why all this struggle that's happening in our borders, why did China suddenly everywhere, you know why? Because we have a saying in English, when the cat is out, the mice begin to play. So they created this pandemic, they created the riots on the streets, so America is on the tender hooks. And when America is in there, they just like mice are all out to play. North Korea bombs up the license office in their own territory. China is all over the border, flights over Taiwan, intimidating everybody. Because when you don't have U.S. in a strong position, then all the others are acting up. And why are they acting up in our Ladakh, that border? Do you know why? Because there is a part of India which was captured by Pakistanis, Aksai Chin, which they seed gave it to China through which their highway goes, and we are building our all-weather road, almost reaching our border over there, and they are upset, because that is very important to one-way, one-belt, one-way highway to reach all the way to Europe. But we are not thinking, we are thinking that is the highway that will go to Europe and trade and everything, but the Antichrist thing is not there. For the 200 million army to come through, that is the highway. So we are looking at prophetic times and a prophetic battle. And our soldiers, without knowing Christ, has died for a cause they are not aware of. That's the highway. That's the only way through which the Chinese soldiers can reach them released. 
and that goes through a territory that was captured in 1947 by the Pakistanis and given to China. So all these politicians are playing their part in history without even realizing they are part of God's bigger history. Bigger history. Like all the nations, all have played a part in history. You're all caught in that without even realizing. You know, everybody's sitting quiet and think, oh, this will pass, pandemic will pass. Oh, how does it matter to who wins in 2020? How does it matter? Nobody has any realized. Things are moving faster than we ever did. And they will do everything possible. Everything possible to see that he does not win. Because if he wins, then their plans are again put at the back end. It's going to take another four years before they can come. They can come back with their agenda. So we don't realize for the free world and for the church, our liberties are at stake. And everything that is happening everywhere, it is the same story. And we are part of God's redemption plan. We are part of God's redemption plan. You know, And the colonel who died is from Suryapet, where I have gone and preached. So how close is it? The first thing I looked at, oh my gosh, he's Colonel Babu from Suryapet. I don't know him, but I've preached in Suryapet. He's come so close. No. We need to realize. No, we cannot, we cannot hide our heads like the ostrich in the sand. Our response is go into the prayer closet and say, Lord, I'm also part of this redemption plan. I will just pray my way through this, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your king, I don't know, I cannot read politics, but I know three things you said, thy name, thy will, thy kingdom, and I'm going to pray your kingdom down. I am going to pray. That's what Elijah, Elijah saw the, the horror of Israel compromised. He didn't know God's solution. He had no clue. He just cried out. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he fasted, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, and one day he heard, this is my solution. What, Lord? I'm going to declare famine on Israel for three and a half years. That's when he heard. Okay. Nama had no. He heard sometime in, if you go by our calendar, he heard somewhere in October or November, people had come from Jerusalem, the Jerusalem's walls and this thing. And he prayed and he fasted, he prayed and he fasted. But when the king actually talked to him around three months or four months had gone by, that's when he hears the solution. You have a burden in your heart. You cannot come up with your own solution. The solution too has to come from God. All these people had burdens. Moses also had a burden. I believe he never forgot his people. He had a burden, but he didn't have a solution. And when he heard the solution, he didn't like the solution. You are the one who has chosen. Okay? So Elijah hears. He says, Lord, Lord, he says, okay, here's my solution. What? Arise and go to the king. And say what? Say that until the word comes from your mouth. I will tell you when. For years, it's not going to rain. Nehemiah gets a solution. Okay, what? You need to go rebuild the walls. Give up your cushy job and go to Jerusalem and build that walls. You know, there's a burden. There has to be a solution. But the solution has to be from God. You cannot have a godly burden with a human solution. It still does not work. So everybody's saying pandemic will go away. How do you know that is God's solution? How do you know that's God's solution? I don't know what God's solution is. It looks very nice. The pandemic goes away. But is God's 
purpose fulfilled if it just goes away like that? I don't know. What after um, six months, the brook had dried and there is no water to drink at all and he looks, his cup is also empty and he says, Lord, I want to pray for rain. God will say, shut up. It's not time yet. Lord, you know, everybody is thirsty. I see their misery. I am thirsty. They are thirsty. We are all thirsty. Lord, Lord will say, shut up. My purpose is not fulfilled yet. Because all of us will say, yes, no, yeah, it's end of end times, everything is calm, everything. You know, if 2020 he wins again, and he wins with a massive majority, the Senate and the Congress and things all start changing. The beginning of the end of China, as we have seen it, the Chinese regime collapse like nine pins, North Korea will collapse, so left, right, center, everything will start collapsing. We'll have a new world all over again. Again, everybody will have to change their eschatology. Go back and reread the book of Revelation because nothing will fit into our this thing. Because if that regime falls, everything will change. That regime falls, everything will change. Suddenly you will realize one new wave of freedom because Africa will be free. Chinese propaganda, we are starting with Black Lives Movement. Really? Do you know what they did to the Africans in China during this lockdown? They kicked all the Africans out onto the streets. They had no place to go to sleep. The most, one of the most racist nations is China. What they did to the Africans? They're standing up with Black Lives Movement. What a joke. What a joke. What a joke. These are ideologies. It's not the people. You are not who you are. You are what you think. As a man thinketh, so is he. If that is your ideology, brother, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. If you are a communist, I will maintain safe distance with you. Social distancing. I don't trust you. If that is your real ideology, I don't care which country you are in. I don't trust you. Because I know what that ideology has done in human history. From the past 200 years. No ideology, no empire has killed so many people. Not even the Roman Empire has killed so many people as that one single ideology. Probably in, it's not even in millions. It's probably in a couple of billions have been killed. If you put it all together, what this ideology has done. It has trampled masses. Not Nazism or fascism. There are all kind of offshoots of communism or all offshoots of it and we have to we have to have the i i i appreciate that um, uh, afro-american black lady preacher what's her name no 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 preacher betty evelyn yeah she went to the streets that is taken over in seattle by the Chop or watchas chop or whatever there. She preached. And she told, Black Lives Movement cannot save you. It's only Jesus who cannot save you. Don't trust the DNC. She said, they are the party that enslaved us. The KK, I know you don't like Trump, but don't vote with Biden. This is the party that has enslaved the blacks. Sometimes it takes a woman like Deborah to stand up and speak when the men are all quiet. A couple of weeks back, she was arrested in New York by Blasio for protesting outside the Planned Parenthood. That's not Planned Parenthood. 
Those are planned butchers. Planned butchers. They're not parenthood. That's what they should call them. You look at all these people who have come together and then you realize what is common about all these people. The ideology behind is the same. She said something which I have been saying here. The Democratic Party hates the blacks, but they use them. They know without that 13% of which 90% always has voted for them, they will never come back to power. But they knew with the Brexit movement, that is the blacks exiting the Democrats to the Republic Party, their power hold was at stake. That's why no walls, no walls, no walls, no walls. Get the immigrants, get the illegal immigrants in because the next voting block is them. Because if the blacks go over to the other side, then we need the illegal immigrants and make them, give them citizenship, they will vote for us. It's always voting. It's always about power. It's not about people. It's not about policies. And people are able to see through it. That's why sometimes you need to be in a third world country and able to see through what people do. People through. And you will see all these Hispanic young people, not the old people, the young people, the white people, all walking around. You know where do they come from? They came come from the universities, the school system. And the school system and the universities everywhere has been taken by the leftists. The leftists. And we see the struggle in India, the right-wing crazies and the left-wing crazies, the battle going in the universities, where you see our government sending in the cops to beat up in JNU and Delhi University, Aligarh University. You know why? Because all these universities, HCU, are all centers of leftist ideologues. And the right-wing government is trying to take over. But the, the young people in these universities, higher learning centers, are all leftists. It's ideology. All the smaller schools, call, I tell this very clearly, all the higher learning center has been taken over by the lefties. All the lower learning centers has been taken over by pawn. The very few people who think straight anymore. One way or other, the devil has captured them. When you have been compromised with pawn, then you have no strength to fight any cause. So you will see LGBTQ and this thing and the drug addict and the, all the crazies all walk together. All been compromised. And they will have, no, I'm not just, uh, I'm bisexual, I'm hetero. All, they start as an ideology. They think it's a big thing to be proud about. And the pastors all keep quiet. Because they don't love them. They don't love them. Because any one of these things you follow to its logical conclusion is hell. Any of these ideologies you follow, to its logical conclusion, is hell, eternity without God. So you have to deliver the people from this. For that you need to be firm in what you believe, and yet be unbelievably kind and strong. So that's what he's calling Moses. I'm sending you. I probably he saw his burden. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. A lot of people don't want to go to Pharaoh. Don't go to Pharaoh. They don't want to go. So we don't realize. That's why he says the weapons that we fight with are, are not carnal. They are mighty in God. The kingdom of God is in powerful ideology, which is the redemption of man, empowered by love. Powered by love. 
That has to be there. That has to be there. I cut my teeth on this years and years and years ago. Like I said, <laughs> I wrote one of my papers on the collapse of communism. At that time, it was all falling apart. Eastern Europe hadn't fully fallen apart. It was falling apart. And all my profs were naxals. Meaning, absolute communists. Very good relationship we had as prof and PhD research student. But ideologically, we were apart. If you ask me, why did you dump? It is impossible to work with these people. You don't want something that will make you put your head in shame. Because you know the ideology where you are coming from. Ideology you are coming from. So you want to murder for liberty? It never works. You want to burn and loot for liberty? It simply does not work. Two wrongs will never make a right. So God had to put him in the backside of the desert. That is his BD. Right? It's an often repeated joke. That is his BD. First man with bachelor's in divinity was Moses. 40 years he took to graduate. Backside of the desert. Until he knew how weak he was. And that he could do nothing. Like I said, very, very few people in human history has reached that point. And if they have reached that point and then used by God, they have never remained like that. Once they stay success, then they flip. Saul flipped. Gideon flipped. Most of them flipped. Very few people remained like that. Once it's good to reach that and then find your strength in God and then find your strength in God alone and go all the way. That is a difficult part. But that is redemption. That is liberty. That is freedom. Jacob had to come to the lowest point in his life. Caught between the rock and the hard place, like you say. Can't go back because made his treaty with Laban. There is no going back. It's over. Can't go forward because Esau with 400 men are coming. And you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. With all your little children and flocks and herds. There's nowhere. <laughs> no. He was absolutely at the weakest point. On top of that, his struggle has cost him for his strongest bone to be dislocated. He was in he had to come to the end of all his ingenuity, all his crooked ways, before he could become Israel. Before he could become Israel. Then he became Israel. Come to the end of himself and becomes Israel. David was chosen of God. Absolutely chosen of God. And he had to run for his life for years. Hide in caves, live in caves. One step ahead of death. Literally one step. You read his account in Samuel and then understand Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. That's what, that is a walk, valley he walked for years. Years and years he walked that valley. It was a valley of shadow of death. Death, shadow, like, you know, death was like if this was death and the sun was behind, the shadow would be always over him. Literally. And he tries running as fast as he can. The shadow follows him. Until he breaks and he goes into the Philistine territory. That's the darkest period of his life. At the end of it, it's the darkest day of his life. Every hand is against him. He's, he's a broken man. 
and then God finds him there. From there he rises and he realizes Yahweh is sufficient for me. You, know? you look at men of God. Elijah was put in the wilderness. Thirst, thirst. Your eyes will be upon the brook and your eyes will be upon the raven. You can do nothing here. You are entirely dependent upon me. Broken, 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 broken. And then the brook is dry. He says, go. Or he's thinking, okay, at least now I can be. He says, no, go to Samaria. Go to Zarephath. Scary. At least here I was protected. Nobody would see me. Now I have to live under the nose of the man who hates me. Jezebel's father. Go to a poor widow. And you will live there. How? Every day you will have to look in that bin for your supply. I won't fill it for two days. One day at a time. Until the famine is over. I will tell you when. It's the end of self-life. End of your self-life. Okay. That dependent upon a widow. A Samaritan widow. Your pride is gone. Your self-reliance is gone. Everything is gone. Why? Lord, why are you doing this to me? He says, you don't realize the mountain you have to climb. The enemy you have to face one day. One day you will stand on Mount Carmel facing the hordes of hell. And you will have to know me and me alone to face them. So when he rises up on Mount Carmel, he's not dependent upon self at all. God has trained him in Kirith and Zarephath to be entirely dependent upon God. And he's able to stand before them and says, I give you first chance. And that too, I give you the whole day, morning till evening you can have. I don't need much time. Because my God doesn't need time to achieve his ends. If a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is also like a day. So it's irrelevant. You can have first choice. No. Everybody had to go through this. Any man of God who reached his con- log- God's logical conclusion had to go through that. That's Second Corinthians 12.10. Paul reaches that conclusion. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions. Why would you take pleasure in these things? In distresses. Meaning, I take pleasure in infirmities for which I don't have a solution. That's what it means. In reproaches where I cannot defend myself. In needs where I cannot supply. In persecutions from which I cannot come out. In distresses where I have absolutely no solution in myself. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, realize, that is the only way I will come to the end of myself. Because if there is something that is there in my life where I can meet that need by myself, I'm still not dependent upon God. There, still self is ruling. Self is ruling. And that's the truth in God's kingdom. Christ is all and in all. We are strong only when we are weak. So 1 Corinthians 1.27 stands in the way of every man who is called from being chosen. Every man that is called in his mother's womb, predestined, whom God foreknew. When did he know? 
even before you were formed in us mother's womb i knew you for you even before the foundations of this world was laid i knew you this word stands between everybody who was called from being chosen because god has chosen the foolish things of the world has hasn't chosen foolish things he has chosen the foolish things of the world there are only one set of people who are foolish things in the world who make themselves foolish to the world put aside everything else and say i trust in christ alone and they will say what a fool you are a fool can you imagine in the corridors of egypt what they would have called moses you are an absolute fool you give up this life for these people <laughs> give up this life this career for these people you are a fool but even if you want to rescue them why do you want to give up that isn't this the better way keep quiet the pharaoh loves you he adores you more than his own son why don't you wait a little while he will die and before he dies he will make you the next pharaoh he'll make you the next pharaoh now you are pharaoh you can have a proclamation hebrews are free how is he come on moses all his chumchas who are attached themselves with moses in the corridors of power because you have power structures everywhere you have power structures everywhere no everywhere so they have the pharaoh's sons and the other one the pharaoh decides the next successor like david decided so moses has a whole set of his youth and they must be telling absalom had his friends adonijah had his friends 50 who run before and after you know all these guys are there so their destiny is connected with this fellow he says moses what are you doing moses don't be foolish moses even if you this cause i understand it's a good cause it's a mighty cause it's a great cause silent wait wait it out pharaoh will die pharaoh will die then you be the next pharaoh foolish man what are you doing do you know what it means the foolish things of this world we don't want to be foolish that's our problem we don't want to be foolish we don't want to be foolish no we will only be half foolish not fully foolish Half foolish who preach only the kindness of God. Half foolish. Half, there are a lot of half foolish preachers. Half foolish preachers, plenty of them. They only talk about the kindness of God. Should speak about the kindness of God because it's true. But you also tell about the other side. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. You know. So this stands. to put to shame the wise god has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty okay that's the power of the gospel you know man who depends upon god alone so here is moses 40 years hidden as a shepherd hidden as a shepherd 40 years ago like we say in english he was the toast of egypt 40 years later his identity is shepherd abomination of egypt from toast to abomination burnt toast burnt in the desert we all know what we do with burnt toast hmm? 
we can't even uh, uh, use it to make cutlets the burnt toast has to be thrown away it's a burnt toast problem was he was called in his mother's womb and 40 years earlier listen carefully 40 years earlier he had a big head and a small heart big head and a small heart and so many people begin ministry like that big head small heart they think they are cats whiskers specially chosen by god and they have to raise others to their level god has never used a man like that yet and never will even his own son philippians 2 verses 6 to 8 tells the other story who being in the form of god did not consider robbery to be equal with god made himself of nothing god says no i don't want a big head and a small heart i want a small head and a big heart i want you to go down to their level we read that in hebrews it didn't happen in one day it took 40 years for him to come down to their level that's why 40 years later he says who am i where i should go to pharaoh lot of young preachers i have met in life struggle with them struggle with them how many have struggled sat with them counsel i said calm down god can save the world without you and me we are all dispensable disposable it's a honor to be used by him calm down was a starter like that cats whiskers i am i'm not the answer to their prayers i am the answer to god's need some people think he came down and down and down and down and down 40 years later he's ready mentally ready attitude wise who am i i should go to the pharaoh and bring the children of god out who am i so you should also begin there who am i that i should preach this gospel i'm not even worthy to preach this gospel who am i who am i even to think that my prayers will move the heart of god The prayer of a righteous man availeth much but i have no righteousness apart from christ apart from christ i have no righteousness apart from christ who am i who am i even to think that god will enthrone himself in my praises who am i who am i moses was now small enough in his own eyes 
small enough to be used by God. You know, that's why God allows us to fail. We all understand a wicked man falls, because he's always falling. He's in his fallen state anyway. But we never understand, why would a chosen man, <laughs> called man fall, right? Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall, and but the wicked falls is falling to come. The fall of the righteous man and the fall of the wicked man is not spiritually the same. The righteous man, every time he falls and he rises, he becomes smaller. He becomes smaller. He becomes smaller. He's small. By the time he has fallen seven times and rises, he realizes, I am nobody. Christ is everybody. That's why God allows the righteous man to fall. And all of us will fall. Until we are in shape that God wants. He has to see in his own eyes that without God, he is nothing and is no better than the people to whom he is being sent. That's the most important part. That I am no better than the people to whom I preach, that I dis- I receive, I need the exact mercy that I am preaching to them. Otherwise, he will have no mercy or compassion on others, and no patience with others. Moses would have finished them off himself if he had taken them into the desert at the age of forty. His sword would have killed them. He would have said, God, that's a good idea. I will step apart, finish them and start with me. I think these guys are not good enough to go to the promised land. I think I'm the only one good here. Finish them off, God. Your idea is good. Start with me. He had to fall and fall perfectly before he would have the heart of God. At 40, he had the head of, big head and a small heart. At 80, his heart was big. And we do not realize how important this is in the kingdom of God. In Psalm 78 and verse 38, which is Psalm 78, is the history of Israel's rebellion in the desert in music. It's a musical psalm of rebellion. Why were they not destroyed? But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his... We only know about ten times. It must have been hundred thousand times he turned this. If God says, Dr. Richard, I remember the ten times you have rebelled against me, meaning he has only remembered ten times and he has forgotten a million times. Why? He's full of compassion. Full of compassion. We need to know that is full of compassion. Psalm 145 verse 8. Psalm 145 verse 8. Yeah. Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger. Great in mercy. Moses, until you become and understand what my heart is, how can you go preach to my people? You will give a wrong picture of who I am.
You will go put a picture which will say that I am quick to anger and great in judgment. That's not who I am. I am a God who judges. Yes, but I am slow to anger and great to mercy. In mercy. Moses, I don't want you putting across. Are you called? Did I call you in your mother's womb? Yes. Can I choose you? No. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting. So I picked a place for you. Supernaturally, I worked out all the situation. Put you in the backside of this hot, blazing desert with nothing. So that you would be a bond slave of your father-in-law for 40 years. So you would get to know what my heart was like. Right? At 40, you were so angry with your own people, no? Because they did not receive you as the leader. These slaves, they don't realize. Right? You've been a slave for 40 years, right? In all purposes, you're just a bond slave. Right? Have you circumcised your sons by the way? No. So you don't even have the right to circumcise your own sons in your own house. Remember what Laban told Jacob? My children. <laughs> Jacob's children, what did he say? My children. You may be my son-in-law. But don't forget, you are also my employee. Son-in-law and all in that bedroom. When you step out, remember who you are. You are my employee. Take care of my sheep. So do you understand what the life of a slave is? Now do you have compassion on them? Do you have compassion on them? Lamentations Lamentations 3.22 Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Compassions fail not. Zechariah 7, 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice. Yes, I am a God who is just. The scepter of my kingdom is the scepter of justice, of righteousness. Show mercy and compassion. Everyone to his brother. Moses, how can you show mercy and compassion to your brothers who are slaves when you are a prince? You wouldn't know even the meaning of that name. You wouldn't even know what that word means. You will only show the compassion as a prince. You will stretch your scepter. That's not the compassion which I want you to show. I want to show compassion to a brother. I don't want you to show the compassion of a prince to his subject. I want you to show the compassion of a brother to another brother in the same situation. So I put you in the backside of the desert as a bond slave to your father-in-law for 40 years so that you would now go and show the compassion that comes from experience. You know. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You have I really, really, I look at the Americans. The black Americans feel sorry. They have been used 
Emancipation Proclamation was in 1860s or some 61 or something, if I'm right. And after that, they still have it used. It's like the children of Israel. Lincoln's proclamation is out. I think the proclamation was on uh, June the 19th. Uh, this uh, Saturday or Friday is the proclamation, if I'm right, if I'm, my memory is right. Okay, that's why they call it June, Juneteenth. Okay, that's when the proclamation. So they were free. They were free. Actually, technically, they are free. The war is won, but emancipation proclamation is there. They are free. Another hundred years have passed by. Hundred and thirty, forty years have passed by. It's like the children of Israel. You are free. You are free. You are in the wilderness. You are free. Egyptians are gone. They will never come after you. You are free by royal proclamation. You are free. But they control your mind. You're still not free. And they don't realize they're still enslaved in their minds. And not by the Republicans. It's by the Democrats. They're still enslaved. And every year, like zombies, they go and vote the same people. And they have these black politicians and black preachers, a set of them, who are like the Egyptian taskmasters, the Egyptians who appointed the Hebrews. Some of them are clowns. Some of them are clowns. It's a disgrace if you see them come and speak. A disgrace. Clowns. They are, and they have the, the funny part is that, I, I like the, see that's why they, they censor everything, no? All these Democrats loved Trump's money when he was a New York billionaire. Because he gave money freely. He's a very, honestly if you look at his other stories and all, he was always a very compassionate man. If you don't look at his family life, don't judge him by that alone. He was not a believer. Whose job is to, you know, judge him on that? But if you look at the rest of his life, he was a very kind, compassionate man. And they call him a racist. The funniest part is that when he was a New York billionaire, he was given an award by Reverend Jesse Jackson for best race relationships. And now they call him a racist. Because they don't like his politics. Isn't it funny? Because you have to speak it out so the people's eyes are opened. Because like this lady preacher said, which is true, Joe Biden finish wins, the Democrats win, and they take the day they take the presidency, the Senate, and the Congress, America has an idea is finished. And I will tell you who will suffer the most. The blacks will suffer the most because they hate the blacks. They hate the blacks. They hate the blacks because it is there in their genes. They are the party of slavery. It is there in their blood. If you want to talk about spiritual iniquity, that's their iniquity. They will use them still like slaves. But they don't love them. Sometimes you need to speak these things out so people will know, you know what? You know what? And this is the same thing that has happened in India too. You have a dispensation that is ruling now. Never fought for India's freedom. And who hates the lower class of society. But will use religion as a pill to unify the masses, to keep them in power. But they don't really love you. They hate you. 
they don't love the scheduled castes and the scheduled tribes and the Dalits and the OBCs. They don't like you at all. But they will use some people from these communities and prop them up in political say, see, we are, we are, look at them. Didn't we elect the first black president? Didn't we? You say we are racist. You're just, you're just a tool used like that. They have many tools in their party too. And people get, these are what we call tokenism. And people fall for these tokens. Token is, token is not the substance until you cash it. You see, when you're the bank, they give you a token. You don't go home with a token. Are you, I put a check for 5,000 rupees, I got a token. Thank you. Does anybody go back home? No. You have to give the token at the counter and then you get these tokens is not the cash. We also will say, oh, we are very secular, broad-minded country. Didn't, didn't we put Abdul Kalam as uh, the president of India, Muslim? Didn't we put uh, K.R. Narayanan as president, scheduled caste? We have no gender the same. Didn't Indira Gandhi was the woman of one of the first nations which had a woman prime minister? Yeah, how many women, which girl, girl children did we kill? How come there are so many villages in North India where there is not a single girl child that is born at all? With all these restrictions. All these tokens are all junk. All these tokens are junk. In reality, we are a racist nation. In reality, we have no love for the weaker gender at all. We despise them. God says the woman is a weaker vessel. But for many Indians, the woman is a despicable vessel to be aborted off. Because she is a burden. Like we look at our, many Indians look at their daughters like Laban looked at his daughters, disposed them off. It's a reality. You know the hangama that took place in India when those TV serials in the 1970s, 80s came out with those serials where the truth was spoken that the gender of a child is decided by the father and not the mother. Did you know the hung, the chaos that happened in North India, in many parts of India? When these mother-in-laws saw this and heard the daughter, your daughter-in-law gave birth to your son was responsible. Because the agenda was that my daughter-in-law is giving birth only to girls, get rid of her and marry another one. Oh, she's not responsible, your son is responsible. We all live through this. And we have to fight all this. And there's only one answer like that lady. I appreciate what she said. None of these things can save you. Only Jesus saves. And we need to understand what Jesus saves us from. Jesus saves from every demonic idea that is implanted in our minds. That discriminates. When you talk about sexuality, Again, you don't go with the world, you go with God. God says, if this is your sexuality and you live like that, you will die. You will die. And he said, look at the history. I have this kind of sexuality, I have put a historical record in my book. I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. Destroyed them all. So that it is a warning sign. Okay, So don't get tolerant and false compassion. Your true compassion is to save them from hellfire. In that process, they may kill you. They may ban you. You may be off YouTube and everything and all. It's okay. Don't worry. 
They may not give you a visa to go to any Western nation. That's still okay. But you at least spoke the truth because you loved them. Because if you don't speak about it, you are not preaching the God of love. God of love. So every time they came to Jesus and tried to preach illustration, he says, if you also don't repent, you will die. <laughs> you will die. You will die. We have So compassion is there. And Jesus' heart was moved by compassion. Look at that. Moved by compassion. For they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he had so much compassion. 15.32 He called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. He said, look at them. I'm not only compassionate about their life, their spiritual, I'm also compassionate about their bodily, physically needs. Let's feed them. I don't want to send them hungry. They may faint on the way. Look at it. Look at it. They faint on the way. We don't want people fainting on the way. No. Let's feed them. Yeah, minds are full. Let's feed them. No, and send them. Look at that compassion. Eighteen twenty-seven. Then the master saw the servant of the servant was moved with Ramba. Ramba, the man who had this huge debt, moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. In verse 33. Should you also not have compassion on your fellow servant? Now, dear Ramba, now we are bringing compassion to another level. God says, I keep forgiving you every day. That's a new thing. No, I will sing of the mercies. Sing about my mercies every day, right? Your mercies are new every morning. But why don't you extend that mercy to others? Even if you think you have been wrongfully sinned against. Why don't you extend compassion? Every day you want my compassion. But you will not extend compassion. No. So please understand this. In life, God was waiting for Moses to be ready. And we none of us know when we are ready. Only God knows. One statement, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Compassion. His heart ready. Remember the choosing of Aaron. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. He is chosen from among men, for things pertaining not to men, to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Did you see that? He didn't send angel Gabriel when Israel was formed and says, you shall be the first high priest. It would have been fantastic. Angel Gabriel with his wings standing as high priest of Israel. But he says, Gabriel will not show any compassion. He's used to building the sword in the second realm. No? He doesn't know what compassion. So he chose a high priest from among them. Why? He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. 
That's a high praise. So, he's, this is all the format of the law so that it should be a part of your heart. It can be religion without touching your heart. So, the high priest first goes and offers a sacrifice for his own sins. His own sins. Why? He knows I am no better than the people from whom I am going to offer. All my dress and costume and holiness unto God, all that is irrelevant. Inside, I am exactly like them. Exactly like them. Not only he is a priest, otherwise he is just a priest outwardly. Inwardly he is not a priest. To inwardly be able to priest, you should be able to identify with the people you are taking before God. And that's what he is trying. Since he himself is also subject to weakness. And then, because of this he is required as for people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. You cannot take that honor. You cannot become a priest by yourself. God has to call you to be a priest. And what is the condition God picks you to be a priest? It is what comes out of your mouth when he calls, who am I? Who am I? That I should go to Egypt. Who am I? Make on who? Mr. Desh Jane Kele, make on who? yogi nahi hai. Because in the classrooms and all, you ask a question, everybody, everybody is yogi. Sir, 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 sir. Because everybody is yogi. And as a teacher, we look around and see one fellow putting his head down. He says, you. I don't know, sir. Okay? Then he'll say, okay, class is over. Come to me. I will explain to you. Because all the others put their hand, but when you ask them, you'll realize none of them know the answer. But they're all confident. Because this is not math. This is literature. <laughs> math, you can get your answer. 2 plus 2 is always 4. Literature is a different thing altogether. You can have 115 uh, interpretations. But the teacher is the boss. His interpretation is what is accepted. <laughs> right? Because he is the one who corrects. Okay. So you need to realize. You need to understand what is, like I said, you are called in your mother's womb. But when will you be chosen? When will he be chosen? Can, I, can we be chosen by God? Do we have the heart of God? Do we have the heart of God? No. Hebrews 5 verses 7 to 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayers and supplications with the vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fears. Why did he have to pray? Why did he have to pray to be saved from temptation? Because to become a high priest for us, he had to share in all of our weaknesses so he could have compassion on us. Otherwise, he cannot have compassion for us. He had to go through everything we go through, without sinning, but go through the ringer. Then only he can have compassion for us. Right? Jesus had compassion. Three days they have been with me. I don't want them to faint. Lord, what? He said, Peter, I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is for the wall of my stomach to hit the back. I know what it is. I've fasted many times, 40 days. You only know about one time. I know what it is to be hungry and to almost faint. Me, 
almost fainted. The angels had to come to restore me. I know what it is to faint of hunger. Let's feed them. So if you have never been hungry in your life, do we understand the, the hunger of the migrants who are trying to walk home? Would we understand sitting in your high horse in in Delhi, in your AC compartment offices, eating seven quarts meal? Do you know what the plight of these people are? If you have been tempted at every point in sin, do you understand what the struggle of this man who is struggling with temptation and falling over and over in sin? Do you know what it is? That's what God is talking about. Though he was a son, he was a son. S with a capital, he was a son. Why a son? Because many more sons are going to come. Otherwise he was the only son. No, he was a son because after that he will birth many sons. Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. For whose sake? For our sake. You know, he too was called. He was even before the foundation of the world. But he could not, he could not be revealed to the world until he knew what we were like. Hebrews 4 verses 14 and 6, 14 to 16. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Why? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He knows what we go through. Every struggle he knows because he went through it all. Let us therefore come boldly. Why can we go boldly? What is the reason behind our boldness? Because we have a compassionate high priest. That is the reason. Have you noticed? Any child. You leave your child to play. Busy, busy, playing, playing, running around. The minute the child falls, turn around and run to the father or the mother. Because that child, when he falls and is in pain, he or she pains, is not going to get compassion from his compatriots. He knows where he or she will find compassion. You know? Have you noticed your children who sleep? I'm mean, talking about when they are small, when they are especially small, growing up age and all. When they are, uh, they all want their room and their bunk bed and their this thing. And the minute they fall ill, they don't want anything. They want to sleep with you. They want you to carry them. They want you to spend time with them. You know why? Because now they are ill, they are weak, and they know that's the fountain of compassion. That's what God says. You can come boldly. You never have to fail. What gives us boldness? It is the compassion of Christ. It's the compassion of Christ. That gives us boldness. There's a boldness that is birthed in us because we know He understands. He sympathizes with my weaknesses. You can keep going. Because that's why his compassions, they never fail. Moses had to be brought to that point. Therefore God allows us to fail perfectly. But not to make failures of us. But so that we might be touched 
by the infirmities of others so that we may have compassion on them. I said after 40 years in the wilderness in all practical purposes, bond slave of a father-in-law. Moses was ready to go as God's spokesperson. He could actually inside identify with the Hebrew slaves. I know what he have gone through. Okay, he's just not making excuses, okay? So Jesus is saying, I went through the same life. I overcame. So therefore, you can overcome through me. I overcame through my father. You can overcome through me. You cannot say, Lord, I cannot overcome. You don't understand. He says, I do. I do. That's why he, though God, has to partake of our flesh. You see, God could have delivered Israel out of Egypt in so many spectacular ways if he wanted. And he has done it in different times. Imagine he had, could have spoken in a thunderclap. Two of the biggest pyramids split into two. Release my people! And Pharaoh falls on his face. Where angel Gabriel appears in the Pharaoh's, th- Pharaoh's throne room with a golden flaming sword. So many ways. Or he could have given a dream like he gave to Abimelech. Those are my people. Trust them not. Let them go. Right? Without any intervention, he, um, Pharaoh released uh, Sarah. God intervened directly. Abimelech released Sarah. So God has done. Or he could have suddenly the king and everybody is sitting, a finger appears on the wall and writes in their language. Hebrews are my people. I, the God of Hebrews, let my people go. And scripture says something was written that fellows became jelly. So many different ways he could have done. Right? So many different ways. But this call is different. This is not a remnant going back. This is not a woman being freed from the harem. This is a call to share in the redemption of mankind. That's a call we all share. So he sent a despised, weak shepherd to work out the salvation of his people. That's why he sent his son. Who am I? Who am I? That I should go. Failure is good as long as it causes us to lose confidence in self and gain confidence in God. Otherwise, failure is destructive. It will destroy you. None of these things per se outside of God there is virtue. Poverty is not a virtue. Poverty is a virtue if it makes you to cling to God and to experience the power of God's hand. Otherwise, poverty will kill you. Like we say, how do you live? Hand to mouth. My mouth and God's hand. That's a good way to live. That's how Israel lived for 40 years in the desert. When it came to eating provisions, they were very poor. They had only one day supply. That's very poor. Ask anybody sitting here, if you have only food for today, you're really poor. 
The Elijah's widow was poor. She had only supplied for two cakes. Poor. Right? So poverty is not a virtue. Unless in your poverty, you partake of the riches of God. The failure is not a virtue. Okay? If you lose confidence in self and gain confidence in God, then it is awesome. So both has to be there. We have to lose confidence in self and have only confidence in God. Because otherwise what will happen? Failure is connected with your past. It haunts people. A lot of people live in the past. I wish. We wish us were horses. <laughs> Memories. They kill you. Philippians 3.3 We are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in ourselves. Flesh is of the old man who have no. We have no confidence in self at all. And Martin Luther wrote his thesis, all hell broke loose in the Roman Empire. Because it had come from within. People started thinking. Like I said, he never put any answer. He only put the questions, caused people to think. And he was called, the popes and very high officials called the Diet of Worms. Worms is a place and not the thing that moves like this, okay? So his friends who were with him and all those great cardinals or bishops and all came. I don't know who those people came to question him. His friends asked him, aren't you afraid? You know what he said? I fear myself more than I fear the Pope. He said, I have more fear about putting my trust in myself than fearing that man. But when I have to give an answer, I should not put trust in myself, my intelligence and my arguments. My trust should be only in God. Who has said? I'm just explosating it. When you open your mouth, I will speak. Please, please get this right, children. You know, Lord and Lord and Lord and Lord of people are stuck in the wilderness like Moses. Definitely called by God. Because everyone is called by God. There's nobody who's saved who's not called by God. You were called, chosen, predestined for glorification. You know? But what happens when you fail so many times, you start thinking you are a failure. Either you have confidence in yourself or you start thinking you are a failure. Okay? You're thinking... You are a failure. And then we are just controlled by our memories, our past. It simply won't work. You will never go anywhere. You can never drive forward looking in the rear view mirror. All you will have is an accident and you will be stuck there. <laughs> There's a story told about old days about a man who went to his physician 
expert of those days and said, I am losing my memory. So all the tests were done and they said, the problem is with your, you have a serious problem with your eyesight too. You know? So said, there are two options. They will leave you like that. But the solution we have, treatment we have for you, you may lose your eyesight, but gain your memory. So what do you want? He says, I will keep my eyesight. I would rather want to know where I am going than live where I am. Are we getting it? Psalm 71 verse 5. NIV if I can have it. Let's see in whatever version comes up. For you have been my hope, O Sovereign Lord, my confidence since youth. Okay? Please understand the difference. Because a lot of people live this miserable, failed lives because of very low self-esteem. They look at themselves as failures. Failures. Or they will destroy themselves because they are walking in self-confidence neither. It's dangerous. Okay. Who am I? Who am I? God's answer. 3.12 said, I'll be certainly be with you. I'll be with you. You know what God says? When we say, I'm useless, I'm good for nothing. Okay. That's right. He allowed all his disciples to fail. Every one of them failed. And everybody was confident. We will go with him and die. And Peter said, even if you all live, I will die. So he allowed everybody to fail. Everybody. Wasn't their motive such wonderful, noble? And he says, intentions, ideas are noble, but you can do nothing without me. Even I pray to my father for strength to go to the cross. And you are thinking you can do it on your own. Okay. But when he rose again, he sends them and he tells them, I'll be with you. Always. Don't go without the spirit coming. And he'll be with you. Always. And when he is with you, you will know that I am with you. Till the very end. You, O Lord, has been my hope and my confidence. That's what God is saying. What is God saying? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. We don't realize how important it is. You know, God, Lord, who am I? God says, I'll be with you. You wake up in the morning and you realize you are not, you are not up to this work. Every morning you go, it's not that you get your BD degree or BTH or TTH, MTH or whatever and says, I'm ready to preach. No, you are not. Nobody is ready to preach. Nobody is ready to preach. The thing is that when you preach, this is the key for everybody. I mean, we're just talking with, we are preachers. So as a preacher, we are putting it across as our frame of work in the, in God's frame we are trying. When we preach, the whole idea is not to excite people. Or to make people think or anything. Because others in the world also can make you think. 
It's none of the reasons. See, on the road to Emmaus, they did not know it was Jesus. It was a stranger speaking to them. But scripture says their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. Okay, their hearts were burning. Okay, their hearts were burning. And Emmaus, the journey to Emmaus from Jerusalem to Emmaus. You read the, the narrative very, very carefully. You'll find it very interesting. Early in the morning, we don't know when Jesus rose again. He rose again. Early in the morning, the women come. The tomb is empty. They go run and tell the disciples. Peter and John run. John reaches first. John finds it empty, doesn't go in. Peter comes in, goes in. It is empty. He come, they go. The women stay back. Uh, Mary has an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, touch me not. I have to go to the Father and your Father. And he goes, disappears, right? And then we read in the John's account that day evening. You go to Luke's account, it's the same day. The road to him I was. So before he came here, he walked with them. And Jerusalem to Jordan is around 8 miles. It will take a couple of hours. You try walking 8 miles. That's around 10 to 12 to 13 kilometers. How long will you take? How long will you take, Tanish, if to walk 10 to 15 kilometers? At least 2-3 hours? Yeah? Can you imagine Jesus walked 3 hours with them and gave them a Bible study? And they were not tired. They compelled him to come in with them. That's the only record in the entire Bible of his 40 days that he broke bread with his disciples. He had a communion service. Their eyes were opened. So this is God's answer. God's answer is that, you know what? I will be with you. Don't try to do anything without me. It's a waste of time, waste of resources, waste of energy. No, you have only limited time given in this to finish your race. No, you got only live. Life is like, you know, in the Greek mythology, you had three sisters. One lets out a string, the other meshes, the third one cuts. That was supposed to be your life. One lets out out of the loom, spinning. The second one meshes, and the third one cuts, and you're dead on earth. It's all mythology. But basically, you only have. This much time. No. God says, don't you even waste your time trying to do anything without me. And I promise you, I'll be with you in this redemptive work. In you and through you, I will be with you. No. I will be with you. Look at Genesis 39, 2 as we come to the close. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. What an incredible verse. The Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man. Why was he a successful man? Because God was with him. Isn't it beautiful? 20 verse 20 and 21. It was a completely different work. He had never been a slave. Same chapter, 20 and 21. He has never been a slave, never done this household work, but he was incredibly successful. Imagine in your own situation, Dr. Richard is an emergency medicine doctor. Suddenly God opens a door and he's put into, let us say, general medicine or something, a department altogether. And that is the opening and he's going there. But that's the area he's not trained in. He's trained in something else. But he says, Lord, if you're there with me, I can do it. I can do it. Just please, Lord, each day come. 
which way. No, he's not putting any confidence in self, yet he's putting his confidence all in God. And then scripture says, the Lord was with him. You have to look at it in practical. This is a completely new area for Joseph. He's never done this before. And then from there he's thrown into prison. That's a new area completely. And miserable working conditions. And scripture says, he was there in the prison. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was successful there. And the, see, the God, what I'm saying, God has never changed. What he's doing with Joseph, what he's doing with Abraham, what he's doing with all of them, he's doing with Moses too. It doesn't matter what your profession is. If you are part of God's redemptive plan, he is with you. And always see your work spear as that. It doesn't matter what I am, what my trade is, where God has put me, I am part of God's redemptive purpose. It is to bring people out of Egypt. And you see your entire life as that. Entire life. Even the minute moments of your life when you are traveling in a train or traveling in a plane or traveling or going anywhere, you always see, Lord, I see my life in the picture of this. I am part of your redemptive plan. I have been sent into this world like Moses, like your son, to bring people out. For that end, Lord, use me. That's how Paul and Silas goes into the prison. They never detach their purpose from where they reach. Out on the road, they deliver a girl. Beaten and thrown into prison, they deliver the prisoners. A little later, they deliver the jailer's family. Because they realize, you know what? This is God's will for me. I am part of his redemptive purpose. The very river that flows in you and waters you, when it flows out of you, waters others too. Waters others too. That's God's answer to all our problems. I am with you. I will go with you. I am with you. Genesis 28, verse 10 to 15. Look at this awesome God. 28, 10 to 15. You're fleeing from your past. Resting your head on a stone. Absolutely unknown future. You are a total prisoner of the choices you made. Yet God has chosen you, even before you are formed in your mother's womb. And you know what? You don't know God, but God knows you. And God steps down. He came to Haran. He came to a certain place, stayed there all night, because the sun had set, took one of the stones of that place, put it at his head, lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamt, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Again, the same thing. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, north and the south. In you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15, behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And will you bring you back to this land? And I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. That's the only thing this man has to hold on all his life. For 20 years he was a bond slave because he had received something in a dream. You know what it was that? I am with you. And I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And what I have spoken to you, I will bring you back. And that's where we go into the word of God and we realize, you know what? I can trust this God. In 6,000 years of human history, this God has never changed. He is faithful 
to what he says. And as Paul tells to Timothy, even when we are unfaithful, he is still faithful. Abraham was unfaithful, Isaac was unfaithful, Jacob was unfaithful, Moses was unfaithful, all of Israel was unfaithful, and God was still faithful. And all of us have been unfaithful. He is still faithful. That is why I put my trust in him. Because he is the rock. He is the rock. I don't put trust in myself because I am unfaithful. I don't want to put my faith in anything that is unfaithful. When I look in my mirror, what I see is an unfaithful man. When I look into the world, what I see is a faithful God. And we sing, what a faithful God is. What a faithful. This has to become more than songs. This have to become life. So who am I that I should God? God says, I understand. You failed Moses, but you are not a failure. I will make you a success. You know how you will be a success? I'll be with you. And I will go with you. Isn't that what Jesus tells his disciples? I'll be with you. Matthew 28, 20. For all the new ones, let them hear. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you. Kya baat hai? Kya baat hai? Not even your spouse can be with you always. Nobody. I am with you always. Even to the... Oh Lord, look at these times. Lord, we are living in prophetic times. So Lord, evil is spreading. He says, didn't I tell you I am with you always till the end of the age? Is this the end of the age? Why are you afraid? I'm giving you a word today. I'm with you. Even till the end of the age. Because at the end of the age, he has already told them how it will be. If God did not shorten those days, even the very elect themselves would not be. He says, I already told you, but I'm also giving you the promise before I leave. I'll be with you till the end of the age. This is promise for all ages, especially for us if we are in the end of days. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. One generation passing the mantle to the next generation. These are young kids. They all, most of them were born in the desert. They have only heard, they have not seen what happened in Egypt. And the man they looked all these years is going to die. And another young man has to lead them. And God is telling them, don't fear. Don't fear. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He's the one who will go with you. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, he says, don't worry about all this stuff. Don't make your life about stuff. You will be like a stuffed animal. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who can give a promise like that? First Chronicles 28, 20. Old David, his words to his son Solomon. And David said to his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. What a word for a father to tell his son no, with confidence. Don't worry. You know, 
I don't know about the rest of your reign, Solomon. I have no clue. I know one thing about your reign. It was something which I wanted to do for God. God said, no, you will not do it. Your son will do it. You know, you're going to build the house for God. And I can tell you something. He will be with you in building that house. Building that house until it is completed. Until you have finished all the work for the service of the Lord. House of the Lord. Now, wait a minute there. Who is saying this to whom? David too? So who is Solomon? Who is David? David is Jesus. Solomon is us. And he says, until the work of the house of God is finished, don't worry, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Don't change your focus. We are all building the house of God. That's why he will speak to Israel later through Haggai. Do you see you work and you got holes in your bag? You work and 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 you go nowhere. You know why? Because my house lies in ruins. My house lies in ruins. This is a prophetic promise. Though the son of David is telling his other sons, be focused in the building of my house. Build your lives. Be part of this redemption. And I promise you, until you have finished all the work for the service and you have to take it personally and can make it your confession and say, Lord, let me not die until you have finished your work in me, Lord. I don't want to reach in your presence as an unfinished work, Lord. Please, Lord, no. Let your work in me be complete when I reach over there. So I too should be able to say, it is finished. And I have finished. Finished, not incomplete constructions. Finished constructions. I am with you, will change your life. That one word will change your life. That's all it means. I am with you. I am with you. Change the life of millions. I am with you. Final verses for today. Hebrews chapter 11, 35 to 39, the most painful verses of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 35 onward. Women received their dead raised to life. Again, that's great. After that, narrative changes. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They were given a choice. Recan Christ. Deny Christ, you can walk free. You may even get a promotion. They said, nope. They were tortured. That they might obtain a better resurrection, meaning they were killed. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. All these having obtained a good testimony through faith. What was common about all these people? Do you know if you asked any one of them, one thing was common about them. They would all would say, he was with us. If you ask any one of them in history, in time to come, you meet any one of them. If you ask them, how did you come through? They will all say one thing. He was with us. He never left us, never forsook us. He brought us through. That's what God is offering Moses. Moses says, who am I? Moses says, I know. You are ready now. You are ready. I will be with you. I will never leave you. Never forsake you. I will come with you. I will bring them these people and I will give you a sign. Do you know where I am speaking? From Mount Horeb. You know, it's a sign. You will bring the people here. 
and you all shall together worship me. Isn't it awesome? In John chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, what Jesus says, and we shall pray. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, that you may be also. Look at his promises. Look at his promises. These are the promises on which we build our life. That's when the word becomes our life. We are not a people without hope. We are not a hopeless people also. We are a people of hope. People of hope. And Moses is ready. He's ready to go. He thinks he's not ready. See, none of us will know when we are ready. Only God knows. <laughs> it's a funny thing. None of us will know when we are ready. Only God knows. Only just keep your ears open. Look at for strange occurrences around you. Suddenly you may see a burning bush. And turn aside to take a closer look. And you may hear your name repeated twice. I'm just giving, telling it as a joke. Okay, now we'll say, oh, he only called me once. No, don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, we shall pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. You could have done all this without any one of us. Almighty, mighty, awesome God. Why do you need us? You don't need any human being for anything. You humbled yourself, became one of us. Now you use us for the same work, Lord. Oh, Lord, all those people who are here, there may be so many who have might have failed till yesterday, till today. And may look at themselves as failures. There are no failures in God's kingdom. There are only people who failed so that they could come to the end of themselves and put all their trust in you. That we come to the end of ourselves and put no confidence in self and put all our confidence in you, Lord. And you will lift us up. And you will keep lifting us up. And you will keep using us for your redemptive plan, Lord. The call of every man and woman in the kingdom is the same. Go, I will send you to Pharaoh. Satan, who holds people in bondage, who has blinded their eyes. I'll send you to him to set my people free. I pray, Father, none of us will miss our life's calling to be part of that great redemptive call of Christ. Different ways. All at the Lord's task, working in the Master's vineyard. Help us, Lord, to be part of that. Help us to come to the end of ourselves and yet be full of compassion with people who have failed, knowing that we ourselves are failures who were not abandoned by God, who lifted us up from the miry clay and put our feet on the rock. Therefore we sing of your mercies forever. Ever. Ever we sing your mercies. Because we know, Lord, it is your right hand that worked that salvation in us. 
and brought us out. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. The new day that has begun, the night in some places, the day in the other part of the globe, you committed both into thy hands. Go with us. Go before us, Lord. Lead us in paths that are everlasting. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.